We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Jowson with you here, Romantic Truth in Las Vegas, and what we're going to talk about uh, in this episode, the next episode, is cheating and infidelity. Now these are the two biggest threats to any relationship. Usually when we refer to infidelity, we're referring to it in regards to married couples. When it comes to cheating, it's usually referred to people who date or in relationships. What are distinctions? Well, the distinctions are pretty simple. One, it's an implied oath when it comes down to infidelity. You've made an open commitment promise not only to your partner, but to society in the sense that you have taken marriage vows, you've gotten a marriage certificate or license, so therefore you are now publicly and legally bound. When it comes to cheating, cheating has more to do with a person taking advantage of an opportunity and a selfish act for their own personal aggrandizement and gain with little or no regard to their partner existing in the same relationship. It's a selfish act. Infidelity is the same. The only thing that's different is infidelity involves the breach of the trust when it comes to an oath or integrity that is impugned because the person did not follow through on their commitment. They reneged on what they initially agreed on legally. Now, people would even argue when it comes down to those um, brief definitions. And the reason being People have their own perspective on things. Put it to you this way, folks. If people can go and stretch religion to fit their particular narrative, they can do the same thing with every other aspect of life. Their perception is more important than the reality. We we see that in our modern day now. When you have people under the illusion that they may be of a different gender, or they may have multiple genders, or they may want to have multiple races, or they may want to have multiple sexual orientations. Because they believe it, they believe it's so. 
and they get upset with people who don't see the same thing they do. Well, the same thing holds true when it comes down to perceptions of morality and uh, ethics in relationships. Now, I'll give you an example. Define cheating. And we'll stick with cheating for this whole series to cover the two, for lack of a better word. Couples may define it differently. Two people in the same relationship may define it differently. There was a couple that wrote me and they were having a debate. The wife did not consider kissing someone as cheating. The husband, on the other hand, thought that any contact with someone else of the opposite gender was cheating. But one thing I pointed out, he didn't make mention of anything within the same gender. Which brings to mind, I looked at a survey, and the one thing I found was that when it came to infidelity or cheating, women could accept as far as resuming the relationship if the man cheated with another woman. If the man cheated with another man, if they were married, more than likely divorce would be the issue. And another man also included a woman or a trans woman. Now, when it came to men, the men would forgive the wife, girlfriend, spouse, if she was to have an affair with another woman. However, if she had an affair with another man, that would be a deal breaker. So from this, women will not forgive men for same-sex relationships if they're caught cheating. Men will forgive women for same-sex relationships if caught cheating. However, men will not forgive a woman for a relationship that involves her being with another man. And the likelihood is the wife will more than likely forgive her husband if he cheats with another woman. Now, when it comes to cheating, there are different perspectives on it as far as reactions from it and as far as the reality that person has to face. Now, the interesting thing, I looked at another stat that said that Unmarried cohabitating couples, about 44% of them, will have one incident of infidelity throughout their relationship. Now, in that same survey, 25% of married couples would experience one event of infidelity or cheating. Now, what this would tell you is that, on the surface, it seems like the people who are married are a little bit more in tune with each other. Correct? However, here's the thing that they have that the other couple may not. If they got married in a church and stuck by religious institutions, 
as part of the relationship, there's a good possibility there will be less infidelity. Now, this doesn't mean that it wouldn't exist, but the odds are a lot lower. The reason being there's more of a communal type of relationship. Congregation, friends, family, people related to that organization, whatever church it is. So with that, it would be very difficult for that person to take a risk of having an affair and their price would be very high when it comes down to getting caught. Now, this doesn't mean that a married couple is more moral than an unmarried uh, couple that cohabitates, but here's another thing that we have to look at as well. Statistically, over a five-year period, a married couple has a 20% chance of divorce. A cohabitating couple, they have a 49% chance of divorce. Well, not divorce, but breakup. Now, in that same vein, when it comes down to 10 years, the married couple has a 33% chance of divorce. And the unwed cohabitating couple, they raise up to a 69% chance of splitting up. And this is usually initiated by the woman. Now, why the disparity? See, when a woman is married, there's a sense of accomplishment, accomplishment that's associated with it. So she doesn't feel as if she's lost out on much. Not only that, she has a modicum of respect for herself because she made a demand that the guy would marry her. He honored her by marrying her. So there's a sense of respect there and dignity. Now, a lot of people that are in cohabitational relationships will marginalize the marriage license and the wedding and all the rest of this stuff. They say, oh, we don't need that stuff. It's just extra expenses. Because they're lowering the bar on relationships in general. You see, one thing you have to realize. Whenever everyone can do something, the value of whatever it is that was to be done goes down along with the quality because people get to a point of just looking at the benefit and not looking at the quality of the value that's the problem we have in our capitalist system this is the problem we run into relationships now let's get back to this for just a second so what does this mean well folks That woman who's been in a relationship with a guy for 10 years. She's had children with him. She has put forth her best effort in the relationship. And she looks up after she's been with this guy since she was 18 and she's 28. Her prime years have passed as far as the most valuable time she would be 
to a man when it comes down to procreation, when it comes down to her, her pursuing her education and career. Those years are gone. So there's a sense of resentment that sets in. With this said, aspirations, dreams, all those things are crushed. She has put everything on hold for children, husband, etc., etc. And what happens at this point, she becomes frustrated. Many of these women say that they don't want to get married or don't want to be engaged. But deep inside they do. Because what they feel as though they're doing is just shacking up with a boyfriend. And of course, in many social circles, that's considered uh, less than. They get around other married couples and they may lie and say that they're married or they may proudly say that they're not. But there's a sense of embarrassment there as well. And a lot of people don't talk about this. Now, at this point, the woman is looking from the standpoint of, I want to pursue my dreams. This relationship is going nowhere. Promises have not been met. We're still in the same two-bedroom apartment we started out in when I was 18. I want a new car. I'm driving old clunker. I haven't been able to establish my career. So what starts to happen, a sense of resentment prevails. He doesn't see any growth. And this is one of the main problems with cohabitational relationships. Because many times the burdens of life hit you one after the other. And so you don't have any time to really tend to yourself and your needs because you're constantly fighting the battle of staying ahead of the game. What I found also was that most married couples plan things out. The relationship starts with a plan. You know, the wedding planner, setting the date, getting things together, structure. And as well, people may have certain standards and structures leading up to their great day. So a girlfriend in high school may say, well, I'm going off to college. Boyfriend says, me too. Well, we'll meet up and see what happens afterwards. And so they grow during a period of time. They graduate, they go on, get jobs, and get into a position where now they can better sustain themselves as a couple. She doesn't feel left out. She had a chance during her college days to go out and meet other guys, date other guys. And she found her true love was the guy she started with in high school. And so they go to Kendall up. 
and get things going. But now she doesn't feel as though she's lost anything because she's got her education, got her career. She can have a child anywhere along the way. Take a year or two out for the kid and then come back to the workplace and resume her career. The problem is a lot of these couples where they're cohabitating, they start out in a crisis situation and that's the way the relationship stays. And so that's how that resentment kicks in. We'll talk more in a moment. question for the big elephant in the room of course is why are these people cheating well let's look at it one study states that women in the United States and Europe cheat for one unified reason and this probably is associated with every woman globally and we have to face it It's emotional abandonment. They're not having those intimate moments with their partner. And I don't mean sex. I'm talking about where the partner is considerate enough to ask her how she's doing. Ask her about her day. Talk to her about some of the issues she's having going on in her life. Where he's making her feel appreciated and loved taking her on dates, still romancing her after they're married or cohabitating. These things fall by the wayside over time and yield themselves to routine. See, the one thing you have to remember, the biggest threat to marriages, as I've said before, is um, infidelity and cheating. Well, we'll just call them one word, cheating. Because in any way, you're not being forthright with your partner. Now, on that same scale, there was another factor that correlated between American and European women. And that was boredom, except for one thing. European women weren't so focused on boredom as much as they were not being fit or physically hot or attractive. We'll get to that in a moment. When we talk about the boredom, this was a contributing factor, secondary factor, for cheating for women in the United States. Because with that abandonment, a lot of times come that person being by themselves. This is why a lot of digital infidelity takes place. And that's when a person goes online, finds someone else, starts up a conversation, and from then on, they create a friendship, and they can design a relationship for whatever purpose. We'll talk about that later. 
Now, for European women, they don't face boredom as a secondary measure. Instead, it comes down to the issue of their physical attractiveness. Now, here's the thing. It's not so much of a factor for most European women reason being the way they consume food compared to us. We consume a lot more food, a lot more fat, a lot more corn syrup, corn starch. So the majority of our population is overweight. In Europe, it's a lot different. However, those are minor factors, the boredom and the physical issue. And the reason being is that the one underlying issue is related to the other two. And that one unifying underlying issue is that the abandonment of their emotions by their partner is key. Now, what are these women looking for? We'll get to the men in just a minute. These women are looking for someone for validation, someone to listen to them, where they can express their frustrations, anxieties. They've tried talking to their partner. Partner doesn't want to hear it, maybe look at them as being problematic. And so they go back in their shell and they begin to cope with the relationship instead of exist in it. They're surviving the relationship. They're not living in it. So with this, they may start hanging out with girlfriends. And they purge to their girlfriends about their situation, how the man doesn't really show them any affection anymore. Now those women who are veterans at this, that have been divorced and know pretty much where the outcome may lead to may just tell her hey you know what cut your losses and of course she's not going to do that what happened to you didn't necessarily have to happen to me as most people think because we always think that we can actually do better than the person that failed so You got the other person who may have seen something in the relationship that was flawed well before and they bring those items up and she's considering those. But for the most part, she's trying to figure out a way of staying faithful and loyal. Now, here's something that we all have to understand. When it came down to establishing responsibility in relationships, The one thing that the patriarchal system, what men did, no matter what religion, what culture, what civilization, they put the burden of morality onto the woman. She was supposed to be the compass of some sort of morality or some sort of um, respect, which meant she, she nurtures the kids, she takes care of pretty much everybody, including home and hearth. And so, 
she was associated with responsibility, accountability. And so in that sense, being that men shifted that onto the woman, she had to repress her desires. And if you look at the way the whole religious doctrine was established, women were kind of relegated to just having babies and staying in the background. Now, when it came to men, they deliberately wanted to give the responsibility of keeping everything forthright to the women so that they could go and be the buffoons. Which meant the men had a creative license in a sense. They get caught in compromising situations. They're forgiven by the woman. Why is that? Because he's not to be deemed um, someone that has to be responsible because he's still immature. Now, you've probably heard this correlation of men being immature and women being more mature than men. Well, this is where this originates from. It's because men gave them, quote-unquote, that maturity for a reason. They gave them the responsibility of being straight-laced so that the man could go out and frolic and do whatever the hell he wanted, but the woman was responsible for keeping everything in order at home. So it's not really a compliment, ladies, when they say a woman is more mature than a man. Because that was a social burden that was put on your shoulders by men for that specific reason. It was a constraint. Now, let's get back to this. That woman who is emotionally disenfranchised, she's bored. She may choose in order to not go out with her girlfriends, especially if her girlfriends are at that point of saying, you don't need him, you need to go out and find your new guy. She may have that option and say, well, I'll just go on the line and meet somebody. Now, when she goes online, what she has in mind is not necessarily cheating on her man, but she's thought about it as far as what she would like in someone else what she would like her man to do. Now, she's still focused on her man. She's just looking for that catalyst of change that she could probably uh, make come about. Now, one thing to understand, too. Women are very slow to cheat on men, usually, because they're more methodical. They think things out. They plan things. They structure things. Men, we are reckless. This is the reason why we gave you ladies the social burden of morality. It's so that we could go out and do what the hell we wanted to and come back and say, hey, you know what? <laughs> we built this house. We built this city, right? Guilt. All right, so what happens here? She goes online. This probably starts with social media first, usually. But she's tempted to go on a dating site. But the interesting thing is, most people who commit 
infidelity or cheat. About 60% of them cheat with someone who's a friend or a co-worker. And usually, it's not uncommon for a friend to be someone that's a mutual friend of both the husband, wife, or boyfriend, and girlfriend. So they may go on social media. And they may find empathy from a friend. Now, most women will not go on social media or go with someone they know initially, especially starting out when it comes to cheating. And the reason for this is too risky. Usually they'll start out on dating apps, dating sites. A little bit safer, they can be anonymous. They go build their profile. Then they'll attract someone. And at that point, the dance of romance begins. Primarily, what she's looking for are those qualities of consideration, communication, somebody to listen to her and she can listen to them. And in a way, not just to vent, but to engage in an intertwined conversation that's central and romantic. Let's say she finds that in one gentleman. She's chatting with them. And what she's going to do at this point is probably let him know she's married. The reason why she's doing that is not just to warn him to tell him, but it's to remind herself that she is because now she's really liking what's going on with the dialogue between the two of them. She's really feeling this. But what she's doing is setting up a stopgap in the initial stages of it. Now, she just might want to have this guy's pen pal. That's about it. And as she engages with this guy, what she starts to do is this. She becomes deceptive of the husband. Honey, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Just doing some work online. And that's where it starts. The first lie. And then from that point forward, the lies will get larger. The excuses will get broader. And then there will be more and more obligatory uh, things that she would have to work around. This is where it first begins. Now, the one thing to keep in mind here, too, is that that person on the other end of that wire... They have three places they have to go. Her mind, her heart, then her vagina. What happens a lot of times, women will have an emotional affair with a man. That means she could envision herself with them. So she asks for photos of him. They start to video chat. They start to call each other. She loves his voice. He loves her voice. He knows she's married. He knows she's in a relationship. She's already explained her situation to an extent. And throughout the whole time, she's kind of bringing up the fact that 
she's still in a relationship and how it is a burden. Now, the reason why she's doing this is to remind herself that, hey, don't get too carried away because you fall for this guy, you may do something stupid. It's a safeguard for them. We're going to talk about this even more in the next segment. Stay tuned. Let's see what we have here in the mailbag from Claudia. Hi, Jocelyn. I've listened to your podcast, and I really enjoy you. You're really sweet and loving. I wish I was closer to you. I would be your woman without a doubt. I'm 36. I have no kids. I'm Caucasian. I'm 5'7". A few extra pounds. I don't want to sound like I'm going for a dating site or something of that sort. I've attached a photo. So just in case you're interested and willing to relocate, I'm all yours. That's a promise. LOL. I'm having a problem, not myself, but my sister. She's with a guy right now, and he just admitted that he got two of her best friends pregnant. The problem is, my sister found out she's pregnant by him as well. She's thinking that they can still move in together and start a family. I'm trying to convince her that that would be a bad move right now, being that he has two other kids pending. She doesn't quite see it my way, so if you do receive this email, could you please podcast your comments about this? And I've given her the link so she can listen to you, because I've tried until I'm blue in the face, and it just has not worked. She's already put the down on the apartment. The utilities are in her name. She bought him a car recently. That's a long story in itself. She co-signed for it, which I told her not to do. And now it's at a point where she's thinking about getting credit cards in both of their names. Could you please, for the sake of God, tell her that she's making a big mistake. My family has tried talking to her and we still cannot get through. We love our sister. And the last thing we want to see is something like this happen to her. My offer still stands for you anytime. If you can bring your ass to Muncie, Indiana, I guarantee you, you'll never leave. And if you did, you'll leave with me as your wife. Claudia, Muncie, Indiana. Well, Claudia, thank you for that invitation. And yes, you are gorgeous. Mm, mm -mm. Beautiful. Well, folks, just to describe Claudia, platinum blonde hair, blue eyes, steel blue eyes, beautiful smile. And she's curvy, but not fat. She's very curvy. Very nice. And I'm going to get you on the show, Claudia. We're going to definitely get you on, and we'll see what's going on. Anyway, let's get to your sister here. Okay. Now, this is kind of awkward for me to address this, but I'm going to. I'm just giving you my opinion. 
And ma'am, it's up to you to do whatever you see fit at the time. Let's look at some of the consequences you're going to face. More than likely, because see, what you're doing now, you're pampering him. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's your prerogative to do this. But you're also extending yourself out further than you need to. See, he hasn't really had to do too much in order to get into the position for you to co-sign for a car, for you to pay for everything up front. And I will tell you this, if you measured this according to the size of his penis, for you to do this, you're in bad shape. You're in bad shape if you've done this. Now, you may be doing this to beat out the competition of other women by going and paying for everything. Guys do this a lot of times with women. They just go pay for everything and they box her in and they say, well, you know, she's committed to me because I spent all this money on her. Not necessarily. You'll wind up with that old saying, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, but I'm in love with the things you do for me. So, What does this mean overall? You're paying for everything. The only thing he has to do is lay down in that relationship. Now, there's some guys that are good at this hustle. They basically find a woman with low self-esteem, like yourself. I know you're pissed off because I told you that, but it's true. And what happens is this. Being that you're at a point where you're afraid of losing him, and you're going to be his fool, From henceforth, he's going to take you for granted. He's going to start making more demands of you. Things are going to be more of your fault when you can't deliver because he's going to feel entitled to the things you provided for him. You've already set a a high minimum standard for him. So, just like you went on and financed this car for him, If he went and totaled that car out, guess what he's going to do? He's going to come back to you and say, I need another car. Because in his head, you've already set that precedent. So, let's go on. It goes to a point where he's got those two kids with these other women. What's going to happen If he decides he doesn't want to work and he's living with you. Guess who's going to have to pay child support or help him with it? You will. Because he's going to lean on you to take care of him just like you take care of a baby. And this is the biggest fear for most women. Is to take care of a man who doesn't want to take care of himself. And you're falling into that pit. And if you don't, you'll find yourself the better for not doing it. Now, another factor that plays into this is you're dealing with someone who really thinks of you as an opportunity. And remember, uh, well, I haven't released it yet, but when I talk about cheating, 
men cheat out of opportunity. They go for the hot chick that they couldn't get back in high school a lot of times. And when the opportunity arises, even if they're in a relationship, and they see that they have a shot at, at getting with that woman, even if it's for one night, they're going to go and try to do it. See, what you are, ma'am, you're part of the journey, but you're not the destination for this guy. Just like he's got the other two women pregnant, got you pregnant. Don't be surprised if he gets another one pregnant. And it's all gonna fall on your shoulders. And see, as he goes along in his life, he's gonna feel as though you should just accept whatever he puts down. Because as you do this, as you pick up the pieces, he's gonna drop more. He doesn't have to be responsible to you. He doesn't have to be accountable. Don't think he has to do more than likely he's going to be loyal, right? Where he's in your bed every night, with you every night. That's not hard to do. So what that means is that while you're at work, he's at play. Who knows? While you're at work, he could have one of those two babies' mothers or another woman in your bed impregnating her in your home. There was a guy I knew that bragged about that kind of thing. He was married, and what he liked doing was bringing people to his house and having sex with them in the master bedroom of the home. It really wasn't his house. It was the house that the woman that he was with owned. That gave him a sense of power. She doesn't know that I'm doing this. And what happens, that other woman laying in your bed, she feels empowered. Even though it's someone else's house. I'm taking full advantage of every luxury she has in it. Because that man has brought her into that environment and made her a queen of your castle. And this is what's going to happen to you if you're not careful. Other factors that are involved here. You think that he's going to be the only person driving that new car? He'll probably have his baby's mama's driving that new car. The young girl he's trying to impress. Because, see, that will be their reward. And not only that, she didn't have to pay for it. You're going to pay the insurance. You're going to pay for all these things on that vehicle. I could be wrong. You may have made an arrangement where you put the money down and he's making the monthlies. And even if that's the case, you still jeopardize your credit. Because you're going to be the main person the bank's going to look at, not him. Another thing, too, and Claudia was right about this. You're going to have to also look at the fact that at any given time, more than likely, this guy has an option to be with those other two women. And if they're treating him better than you are, buying him more things, giving him less responsibility, he's going to take advantage of it. Ma'am, what I want you to do is to turn it around and think of you as a woman 
meeting a man who is doing the same thing for you. I want you to think about that for a moment. Now, with that much power that you would have over that man, you may be a moralist where you do the right thing by him with integrity, but just think if you were to deviate from that morality, you have a lot of options at your disposal. And that's the way this guy looks at things with you. I'm just saying that you are setting yourself up for something really crazy. That's all I got to say about that one. It's up to you to make the decision. And uh, by the way, are you going to include him in your will? And I don't say that to wish you any ill fate or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, if you give this guy all your assets when you go, you're just going to make this man rich. And he's going to go on and get with somebody else. Just my opinion. would love to hear back from you. see here Darvia writes the following you think so much like myself I wish you were here with me I live in a small village I'm in Europe I don't want to disclose it I'm very popular in my community a little bit too popular shamefully I'm 27 years old and I kind of overexposed myself when I was younger I was the town whore. The problem I'm having now is that I'm trying to get my reputation back. And there's this one guy that I really, really like, but he knows about my history. I try to explain to him that it's in the past, and he shouldn't judge me on the past, but go forward with me. He's not interested. I've tried everything. Tried talking to him, tried having friends talk to him, tried to have his parents talk to him to give me a second chance. His mother's very skeptical of me, but his father is definitely in my corner. I'm seriously contemplating if I can't get with him, I'll sleep with someone very close to him. I know that's the wrong thing to do, but I'm even willing to go as far as if he has a girlfriend. I would try her, just so that I can have a piece of him. I'm not crazy, creepy, or obsessed. I'm just a woman that's wholly in love with this man and would do anything to have him in my life. Is there any way that I could get through to him that he should give me a chance and not just judge me on my past? Darvia the Netherlands okay Darvia you cannot do this and here's why even if you were to strip naked walk to his house knock on the door 
you've already lost one of the components of the five elements I tell you about. You lost your reputation. Therefore, your decision-making skills came into question with a lot of people in your village. And that particular thing that you're dealing with has to do with the fact that you exercise poor judgment, so people exercise better judgment on determining whether they're going to be associated with you. Now, with that also, the house of cards fall. Because your freedom to date anyone you want now is limited. You kind of, what you did was jeopardize your future prospects at an early age. And now that you're older, those prospects have dwindled. And now when you're serious, it's harder for you to be taken seriously. You see this happen in a lot of small towns throughout the world, especially in the United States. You have the town whore, the girl that sleeps with all these guys, and then she tries to get serious when she gets in her late 20s, early 30s, and wants to settle down and have a family. And she realizes that nobody's going to take her seriously. And with that, they usually wind up moving out of town, moving to a bigger city where they can kind of blend in with everybody and kind of lose that reputation. This is probably what you would have to do is to start over. But see, when you want to start over in your own village, you need to start over somewhere else. And then hope that someone who knows your history does not bring that to the forefront where it become popularized and believable because you exercise the same behavior in that new environment that you did in the old. Diary, the first thing you need to change is yourself. And then after they see that change in you, then what happens? The historical thing, it's already there. That's never going away. But going forward, the people who know you can see the comparison and contrast. Behavior from now and then. But as far as you trying to reinvent yourself in that community, highly doubtful. And I know what you're probably waiting to do. If it doesn't work out with this guy, you're going to wait for some fresh meat to come in. It's just like people that go to the same bar all the time. Everybody's friends. They probably had sex with a few people, had dated a few people, but they're waiting for that new person to come in so they could break them in and initiate them, like in some kind of fraternity or something. Uh-uh. You're going to have to start anew elsewhere. Plan and simple. More in a moment, folks. So she's pinching herself by telling this guy that, hey, I'm married and, um, you know, you're too far away, etc., etc. Even though she's saying these things, she's still bringing herself closer and closer to him emotionally. 
it gets to a point they start having a routine, a schedule of going online, seeing each other. She may look on the map and see that this person lives several miles away from them. And now she's looking at probably trying to figure out a way of meeting this person initially. Now, this is when women usually begin to structure their strategy. Now, they've already had a framework when they realize that the partner has shut them down. They've already started thinking about how they're going to structure the kind of the kind of um, emotional response they would expect from a partner. But cheating has not even entered the realm yet. But now that she has communicated with this person and they get along very well, and she realizes he has the qualities that she really would like in her husband or boyfriend. She wants to examine a little bit closer. Again, she's still pinching herself. And when I say this, I mean she's reminding herself that, hey, I'm still married. And I got to tell you this. I'm still in a relationship. Especially if it's her first time. She's going to be paranoid, hypervigilant. Sometimes they get nervous, get cold feet, and they stop before things get to a point of meeting. You will see a lot of women do this. And the only thing it does, it just intensifies the frustration. It's like the prison door was open, but they were afraid to run out. So they close the door shut and stay behind the bars. Three hots in a cot. Now, the thing is, these women at this point that want to meet the guy what they would do they would start by preempting an excuse and they will find someone to help co-conspire this could be girlfriends it could be relatives and for some reason it could actually be close relatives like sisters especially if other family members are aware of what's going on or friends they will go and co-conspire in order to help this process along now we'll say she tells her husband or boyfriend yeah I'm going over to so and so's house for the weekend we're going to all get together and we're just going to do a little crafts and et cetera, et cetera. And he says, okay, no problem. And she begins to realize that it doesn't even matter that she's going away for a weekend. He's not concerned. He's like, have a good time. There's not even an intimate kiss for the most part. It's just... um, no, I'm going to miss you. None of that. So this gives her more validation to leave. Now, she goes over 
talks to her girlfriend. Girlfriend's got the alibi. Family's got the alibi. She meets this guy at a hotel because she's going to still be afraid. She's not going over to nobody's house, usually. Depends on how long they've been communicating. Meets him at a motel. Everything seems to be okay. Or she might even just meet him at a restaurant. And it seems like everything is going to kick and they pick up on the conversation where they left off online. And now she could let her hair down and be a little bit more free about what she discloses to him. And so at this point, he gets a better picture of what's going on. He knows she's in a relationship. And she's telling him over and over that she's not leaving. And she wanted him to understand that. She didn't want nothing heavy. But she wanted to just have fun. Well, in the throes of their conversation, they're no longer talking about her bad relationship. She's envisioning herself with him because the conversation is flowing naturally. And the two of them are so engaged now they talk about things as if they're already a couple. She may want to hold his hand. She may want to get close to him. Start kissing him early. Letting him know how she feels about him. In other words, the emotional capital she had set up, saved up for her husband, she's now feeling as though she can poured into this guy now I know most women do not sleep with men on the first date however when, when it comes down to a woman in a relationship or married there's a high possibility I think it's a 38% chance I read one stat I think it was 38% chance of her sleeping with the man she met online on the first date not because she's desperate but it's because of the fact that that void has been in that relationship so long and she's tried to address it with her partner and he wouldn't hear it now we'll say she goes on she's with this guy they do the deed At this point, she has a validation. What are they? Emotionally, she's in tune with them. They're able to communicate. They're listening and working with each other. He's given her compliments about herself. He didn't complain about her body at one time, about she's fat or whatever. All of these things worked to her advantage and she felt better being with them. She feels guilty as hell after she comes out of that first experience. But now it rejuvenates her. Now some women will cut it off after the first and then go back to her husband and try to implement what they've experienced with that fella. You know, honey, you should do this. You should do that. That may work. may not. Some may go back and leverage it like if you don't really uh, get yourself together I'm going to have to move on the ultimatum ladies don't do that that never works 
unless they put a really weak guy and then even after it works you would never respect them alright what else do we have we have it where now you're trying to figure out how do I keep this going how do I improve this now when you get to that point you're looking at the possibility of improving the relationship the extramarital affair and kind of divesting from your marriage emotionally at least when you know it's over it's when you're only in the marriage for two things the kids and the assets that's when it's over and a lot of people don't want to get to that level now this is just to give you a brief overview of how this usually goes it starts out with feeling as though they're emotionally neglected and they're going out finding that validation from an external source from a man now the one thing to keep in mind with many married women they don't leave their husband. I think I saw one stat, I think it was only like 24% of married women actually leave their husbands for another man that they've met. So it's pretty low. So don't expect this to be like a major thing. But what does happen they wind up with this person and most of these affairs average anywhere from two months to two years in length. They usually don't last any longer than that. And the reason being, one, the woman gets tired of being nervous and worrying about whether or not she's going to get caught. Two, the guy may move on. And it's not uncommon for that to happen. Now, if you're separated, that's different. Those relationships last much longer. But if it's a situation where you're still cohabitating with the spouse or partner and you're venturing out, that's where you run the issues. Now, another thing too. There was a couple that wrote me, well, the couple didn't write me, the wife wrote me, the ex-wife, I should say, about, I think it was a year ago. She and her husband had a house, they had two children, they divorced, they agreed to cohabitate, which they continued to do in the same residence, they had people rifling in and out the kids were confused they chose later on to get married again I think a few months later it was the stupidest idea ever about a year and a half later they remarried still staying in the same house and the disagreement that caused them to divorce in the first place was that he wanted to bring family members in the home to 
live with them. And she had issues with his family because they would come over only when they needed something and they would always leave with more than they came with, which put a burden on the family. And so the agreement was that that would not happen and they would remarry. Well, they did. Now, when she wrote me, they had remarried and they still had that open component in their relationship because they still had relationships with other people. And they were rifling people through the door. Well, the main reason why they remarried, besides wanting to be back together, they didn't want the kids, quote-unquote, confused. They couldn't understand why did mommy and daddy divorce, why are they back together, why are all these people coming in and out of the house. The parents kept telling them, we're adults, you stay in your place, your children. Well, eventually what happened, the mother, the wife, fell in love with this younger guy that she was seeing. And he was only about 14 years older than her oldest child. Well, the husband was kind of concerned about that. And he started to raise issue with it. And at that point, she told him, she said, well, we are in separate relationships inside of our relationship. So what's the big deal? Well, he goes out and he gets a 19-year-old girl and brings her in. And this is the reason why she wrote me. Because the 19-year-old girl is more intimidating to her and she's now afraid of losing her husband. Now, as you can see, this is a mess. This is a quagmire. But what this came down to folks you had a couple they had a good relationship and the husband did not listen to his wife when she was telling him about what was going on with his family he never looked objectively at that he always thought from the standpoint you're picking on me but he didn't look at it from the standpoint of the integrity of the relationship the isolation that he gave her from feeling as though he had been picked on. He also isolated himself from her. And by doing that, they found other people in order to exercise those elements in their relationship that was missing. So they brought these people into their home, rifled them through kids confused as hell, dog doesn't know who to bark at and throughout all this time they divorced over that issue remarried and the kids are saying these people come in and now they're saying younger people come in and these kids are going to have questions when they get grown What the hell was all that about, Mom and Dad? 
see the parents are going for their own gratification. What you will find, folks, when it comes down to infidelity and cheating, it's a selfish act and people look for convenience, for their own convenience, at anyone else's expense, including their own. We'll talk more in a moment. All right, let's talk about the man. The man who's in a relationship or marriage who decides to step out of it. Now, ladies, one thing to keep in mind. Statistically, men do cheat more than you. But now, let me explain a few things here. The reason why men cheat has to do with the same thing that motivates women, even though you're hurt because you don't get that emotional support from that man. The trigger is low self-esteem to make yourself feel better. And men have the same trigger, but it's applied in a different way. Many of you ladies have turned down a plethora of men. Guys that have tried to talk to you, tried to date you. You just weren't interested. He was too ugly, feet were too big, hands were too big, nose was too big, receding hairline, you name it, gut, it could be anything. Because see, as women, you are at liberty to discriminate on that level. As men, we're not. So, with precision, you could choose the man that you want, almost to the letter. As men, we can't do that. So what it comes down to, you can get the man you want. We get the woman we can get. Now, that old adage they used to say about a woman can get the wealthiest man she could attract and a man can get the prettiest woman he could afford. has a lot of truth. Now, the one thing you have to keep in mind here is that with men, we get rejected more than you do. So, even though you may be a woman that you really liked and wound up marrying in a relationship with, some men still have that void in them of that woman they wanted that they couldn't get who turned them down. And they got that opportunity to be with a woman like that. And many men will take that risk if that opportunity ever arises. So, he doesn't care if he uses the household credit card to take this woman out to dinner and you find out about it. He'll deal with the consequences later because he's concerned about getting her. And this has more to do with his low self-esteem than anything else because you have to remember that girl that rejected him in high school he's still thinking I still want a girl like that. My wife is nice but she's not that woman. But here's the thing. He doesn't want to marry this woman 
he doesn't want to do anything but more than likely have sex with her. And so for that reason, now you probably see why the premise in many of our civilizations have been putting the onus of responsibility on the woman while the man has that option to be a buffoon. So, what happens? This guy's going to go out and he's going to pursue this woman. And the reason why he's going to pursue her is to make himself feel better because she's giving him attention. You know, ladies, how you like that attention from men? Well, guys with low self-esteem like that attention from attractive women. And so, this is what happens. So he pursues her. Now, he knows he cannot maintain her. He cannot keep her in his life for any extended period of time. But what he can do is enjoy the moment. Why buy the Ferrari when you can rent it? So, he's going to go for that one night stand. He's going to go to see if he can now get her interested. But see, the thing is, he's limited. Because she can demand more of him than he has the capacity to give. Financial, time, she has that advantage. And so, from that, he knows that he's on a limited schedule with her. Now, he may not care that the woman catches him, that his wife catches him, a girlfriend catches him. Because the way he looks at it, I'm going for something better than what I got in that sense. This is the reason why a lot of women who find out a guy has cheated on her wants to find out who is the woman, who is she. Ladies, if you ever want to scare the hell out of a man, walk up to him and ask him, okay, so who is she? He could be a total stranger. The thing we got to come to grips with, too, is that in this particular situation, if you find out and you see this woman is more attractive than you are, some men use that as a deterrent. And they deliberately want to get caught in order to keep their woman in line, so to speak. And ladies, let me tell you something that a guy who cheats loves to hear. Because my friend, unfortunately, he did that with his girlfriend one time. And I felt so sorry for him. She caught him cheating out of the restaurant with this other woman. And she literally broke down in tears and said she looked better than she did. The mistress looked better than my friend's girl did. And my friend's girl was pretty. And he took that and used that against her. And that ended our friendship. Because after I saw that level of depravity in him, I couldn't do it. But she played off of that and told her she'll never be as attractive, etc., etc. And the woman he was cheating with could give a damn whether he walked out the street and died the next day. 
could hear. Had no emotional connection with him whatsoever. She was all about him using him. And this is what these guys do sometimes. They'll risk that for nothing. Now, there's a stat that I read where 65% of men who cheat with women who they're looking for a long-term relationship with prefer women that have some of the physical characteristics of their wife, spouse, or partner. Now, most men will get the physical aspect of the woman that they want. But also, many men suffer from that emotional isolation, just like women do. The woman could be good, screwing him in bed, doing everything for him, but when it comes down to that emotional connection, she's not there. She's always finding something else to do to avoid that intimate contact. One of the worst things in the world, and I've had this happen to me before personally, I dated a lady who did not like intimate contact. She didn't like intimate conversations. She was one of these broad stroke type people. Let's go to the beach today. Okay, we'll go to the beach. And we never had time, no matter what we did, to talk to each other about how we cared about each other. Because what she would always do is preempt it with something else. And she would call that mushy stuff. I don't want to deal with the mushy stuff. Let's just go out and do this. And I asked her, I said, are we in a relationship? She said, oh, yes, yes, definitely. I love you, but the mushy stuff I don't like. Hmm. That's interesting. And the reason why she didn't like the mushy stuff I found out before we broke up was because she was in a relationship one time. And she went to kiss a guy. And the guy told her that he just wanted her as a girlfriend, but not as someone that invaded his space, his emotional space. So from that, she was in a relationship with someone from afar. They hold hands, but they could never become close. She had to ask him if it was okay for him for her to put her arm around his neck. He would never kiss her, hug her, none of that. And when she would try to initiate it, he'd push her away. She thought she was, she thought he was gay, but he wasn't. But it was. He liked the benefit of being with her, but he didn't like her. And she said that some of that had worn off on her. And she told me, you're not the first person that I've dated since him who told me this. And I'm like, damn, you're aware of it and still don't give a damn? Mm Mm-mm, ain't dealing with this. See, folks, one thing to understand, when it comes down to situations where men, us, 
cheat. We are the most unprepared people for cheating. Now, my friends will attest to this because they know I get nervous because I ain't going to lie to nobody because I know good and well. I'll start laughing, and when I start laughing, it's done. They're going to get busted. And this is the thing. A woman will take time and structure and plan her thing out. A man won't. It's improvised. If he has a chance to meet a woman in a supermarket and he's with his wife or girlfriend and she's that woman that he really would like to get with because of that low self-esteem historically, he'll risk getting caught to get that woman's number to give her his business card or his number. He'll do that right in front of his woman without a problem. Because cheating is a selfish act. Now, other things we have to look at. These men rarely fall in love with the women they cheat with. Now, it's a little bit more dangerous for a man who cheats with a single woman than it is for a man who cheats with a married man who cheats with a married woman. The married woman already has a constraint, her marriage. That single woman can pop up any time and she can read into a narrative that could mean I'm going to take you away from your wife or you're going to have to leave your wife or you've got to give me control of your marriage. She has so many options at her disposal. See, the married woman who cheats on her husband, she's going to first determine whether or not she's going to go through with it. So she's going to take a moment to pause. Now, when she does this, what's going to happen is she's going to see the feasibility of nesting with this guy. In other words, to make herself at home at his residence. So when she comes to visit him, it's just like her being at home. But she's going to methodically do this. She's going to have a schedule for him. She's going to meet out the terms on communicating. She's going to set up all the wherewithals as to what to do, what not to do. She's going to reassure him that he will never interact with the husband. She's going to dot all the I's across all the T's. Now, there's some women who get overwhelmed emotionally because they're with this guy and they really like him and they become reckless just like men. And this is how a lot of them get caught. Now, understand one thing. When these women go with these guys and they're looking for a more long-term relationship with them, two years is usually the max. Now, there are a few things that happen. Birthday gifts usually stay at home. 
meaning the new home. So, it's her birthday. She can't come over to the guy's house. She's got family obligations. They want to take her on a birthday dinner or whatever. Her family does. Husband and family. So she goes on and she does it. But she's going to drop by the day after her birthday. And when she does, the guy that she's seeing presents her with a birthday gift. Lingerie. It could be anything. If it's lingerie or something like that's intimate apparel, more than likely she's not going to take that home with her. So that stays at his place. And he gets the pride of knowing that he bought that for her and she's going to wear that when she, and whenever she comes over. So it kind of makes him feel as though she's my woman too. Now things that she will try to slip into the house that he can give her. Rings, shoes, earrings, purses. Because she can always have an alibi of it coming from one of her girlfriends. Honey, where'd you get that purse from? This old thing? Oh, Alice gave me this. She was going through her closet and she said, hey girl, here. Now, what guys do when they do this to married women, they're trying to let them know that, hey, I can support you just like he can or better. The danger is, depending on the level of a guy's self-esteem, will determine how tight he clings on to the married woman. If it's very low and she's the best thing since sliced bread, he's going to move hell and high water to be with her. And she's going to assess this up front before she gets involved. Because women are very paranoid when it comes to cheating. And when I say women, I'm talking about a generalization. Not every woman, so every statistic can apply to every human being because everybody has their own different experiences. Just want to get that out there. So, what happens is this. She goes on and she starts to do things such as set up his house the way she'd like things to be set up at her place. And what will happen is she will have this ecosystem created where she's doing it on her own usually because she's usually guiding the guy around fixing up his bachelor pad or whatever and it gives it a personality gives it that touch now this also works to another advantage that married woman knows she's going to leave him more than likely at some point and even though she's making that environment comfortable for herself that guy knows that, hey, you know what? She's setting my place up for my next woman. And see, women can pick up on that. Because when you look at a guy's place and they say, oh, wait a minute, you got drapes, you got this, you got that. Oh, a woman has been here. A woman has touched this place. Once a woman senses that, Oh boy, 
competition revs up then. She wants to take everything down and replace it with her brand of style. That's where they do it. Now, the married woman is not going to make that much demands. Or that many demands, I should say, on these men. The reason being, she has access to more resources than he does. So, she has a husband that will provide more for her than he does. So, in that sense, she doesn't really need much from him materialistically. Now, if anything, she may bring things to him. Maybe a bottle of champagne. Maybe buy him a shirt. Clothing. And have it in such a way where it will be something that's usually kind of generic. Because another thing that guys, that women, these women look for they may look for a guy close to the same size as their husbands or boyfriends. And the reason for that is so take for a cigar and buy a jacket. They can go purchase that jacket. And if the husband looks at the receipts, she said, Yeah, honey, I bought that for you and I had to go and take it back. It just it was the wrong color. And it would buy her some time. And more than likely the guy forget about it. Some don't. But usually she's going to pay cash. And she'll pay out of her money. Now here's the thing. When she goes out with this guy. They're never going out in the same town they live in usually. It's going to be somewhere totally different. And it's not uncommon. For married women to be so paranoid. That they may go on a getaway somewhere out of the country out of the state usually it's out of the state though but there have been couples that have written me that have gone to places like Winnipeg Ontario in order to just get away to make sure that they didn't wind up with being seen by someone they knew so what happens here they have the structure they have a plan this woman will schedule what holidays she can spend with them and which ones she can't and any kind of gaps in the relationship will be explained. And the reason why she does this with her cheating partner is so she can set expectations because she's real big on that. Most women are. And so with that stated, with that set, that means that at that point, she knows that there's a good possibility he could find another woman while she's away but by giving him an itinerary it lays things out where he can feasibly see okay uh, she's covering enough where I don't feel as though there'll be a gap long enough where I'll be lonely or where I would have forgotten about her and that's the thing to keep in mind Now, another couple of things we need to talk about. i tell you what, we'll do it in the next segment.
All right, now we're going to talk about several subjects in this particular segment because there were certain things that you guys have written in on that it's going to be kind of tough to cover, so we'll go through them. Now, Alex writes the following. I understand you've been a world traveler. Question I need to ask you. I'm thinking about going to the Philippines when things clear up. I'm seriously looking for a wife. What is your recommendation? Should I get a college girl, a provincial girl, a city girl, a working girl as far as profession, not on the street? Just want to know and have an idea. Here's what I will tell you. Whenever you're dating someone in any other country, doesn't matter where they are, you want someone who's already got themselves established in their country, someone who's happy and not so anxious to leave for economic reasons. I can't stress that enough. I saw a lot of guys marry women. They got the green card, they got the family over, and they were just waiting 10 years or so. And then they get the divorce, and then they go and marry who they want to. And some of them have it prearranged. I personally would say, when it comes down to the Philippines, I would stick with three types of women only. An educated woman who's professional, who already has a career established there. She's going to be less likely to leave. A young lady that's going to school. A provincial girl, she's going to be more into an economic need situation. Now, what you will find when you get there, the Philippines have a lot of different cultural variations. You'll have people that live in the crypts, for instance, around Manila. And the crypts basically is like a graveyard. And they have an actual subculture there. And of course, therefore, they're more likely when it comes to the States. See, what you're worrying about is this. You don't want to be with a mule. And a mule is the pretty girl that the family puts up where you get with her, you bring her to the States, and basically a good portion of income is going back home to support multiple people in the family. Now, I know culturally that's acceptable, but here's the thing. In most fate, F-A-T-E, based cultures and society, that's a common thing. In Latin America, South America, people do the same thing. They always remit money back home. But see, here's the problem that many of you have with this. You don't know how that money is actually being used back home. And a lot of times you can't find out unless you're traveling back and forth. Now, I want you to understand one thing. Some families do this every year where they go, United States, Philippines, they go back and forth. It's kind of a hard thing to do because you're kind of measuring. I have a friend of mine that's a veteran, and uh, he's disabled like myself. Well, disabled folks don't make that much money. Government sees to that. And just as an aside, folks, 
all that money you're paying into Social Security, what they look at is not like an investment account. What I mean is, you know, you put all your money away in a 401k and you get all this money for the weight, right? Well, the way it works with Social Security is a little bit different. As you pay into the system, they go by the quarters in which you've paid into the system. And those quarters have to add up to a certain amount. So if you become like disabled like me, you could be on a job, for instance, and you might have a hereditary illness like I do called glaucoma. And you work all those years and then you get hit with glaucoma. Well, when you go for disability, they're like, as long as you have money, you don't need to come to us. And this is not welfare. This is something you've paid into for years. I paid into Social Security since 1977. And I just started drawing it in 2019. And let me tell you, out of all that money you pay into the system, you got to qualify for the bare minimum. But the way you qualify is first, they want to make sure you actually need the money. And the way the government does that, you got 401k or whatever, uh, you make it off of that for a while, then come to us. Now, here's the thing. So when you come to them, you're pretty much broke. Because that money is not going to last forever. Those dollars you saved back then that meant so much are being absorbed quickly because the price of that dollar has been reduced. It hasn't been expanded. That's the reason why when people would say something like, back in so-and-so year, this person was a millionaire and today they'd be worth 200 million, that kind of thing. Now, here's the thing, that's with the earning dollars, not the spending one. Here's the thing. What you have to come to grips with is this. After you paid all that money into it, and then you go to draw it, it's not going to be what you think. So, what I would advise you to do strongly is to stay employed as much as possible throughout your life and make sure you pay into that Social Security because the thing is, no matter what, they do take it out when you're unemployed. Your unemployment insurance, they take that out of your unemployment insurance. And you want that. Now, the places that won't take it out, if you work for the railroad, they have their own pension fund. A lot of companies used to have that where people wouldn't go on Social Security. They had this nice, cushy pension fund. Some public employees have it as well. And so the company or the organization would take care of you for the rest of your life and not, you don't have to worry about the government. And true enough, you had a higher rate of return. I remember hearing a lady in Ohio, a school teacher complaining about only making $3,800 a month in Ohio in her retirement, expecting a cost of living increase. But see, here's the problem with people who do that, many times they want to sustain the lifestyle they have. So when you are disabled, you got to step off of that lifestyle you have and step down a bit. 
and that's what people don't like. Because many of them want to live their lives because they put away all that money. They're thinking that, well, since I put away all this money, I should have this type of lifestyle. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you put that money away, but there's no guarantee that that lifestyle's gonna be there for you to sustain it. Because those dollars are gonna be spent even faster than when you earned them back in the day. Because the cost of living changed. Now, to some degree, the cost of living goes up. 16%, you get a 3% raise annually. 16% rise annually. So you're 13% under every year as you go forward in your life, your working lives. So that's just an ass-kicking contest you can't win. Let's get back to this situation. What I'm telling you, sir, is this. Alex, it's going to also depend on the consciousness of that person, the moral consciousness of them. But I would tell you this if I were you. I would look for someone who doesn't have any problem remaining in the Philippines. And if you took them to the States, they'll be okay with that too. But someone that does not have to come to the U.S. Because I will tell you, I've seen a lot of people get used that way. And not only that, you'll be treated differently as a foreigner. And they will call you a foreigner in the Philippines. They love doing that. It's not a negative thing. It's kind of like a kind of like a thing of respect. Now, there is a pecking order there, such as in most Western cultures, how skin color carries a lot of weight. You'll find a lot of Filipinos that are from wealthy and more affluent families. They may not be so inclined to be with a foreigner. They'll stick with Filipinos. Or they'll marry white. But white usually with money. The land there is owned by a small group of people. So you see a lot of squatters, a lot of people that are having uh, different issues. The people are very friendly, very hospitable. Women will flirt with you more so than you'll be flirting with them because... There's a lot of women in the Philippines. I mean, you will have more women try to flirt with you. What they do is they give you those eyes. They give you that look. And they speak to you. And some of them will walk up to you and ask you your name. They're very friendly people, very kind. And there you're going to find women in every capacity in society because they were looked at as someone that was equal when it came down to fighting in the revolution for the country. You have a lot of fun there. And I stayed on the island of Luzon, but you have Cebu, you have uh, Iloilo, I went down there. Um, I think Philippines has some, like 9,000 islands. Uh, a lot of places to go each. It's like they have a national culture and then they have this regional culture just like you do here in America. And 
the languages Visayan, Tagalog, and Cebuano. And sometimes you got they have Filipino as well. And the more you're aware with the culture, the friendlier it is. And now, just like with any Asian culture, saving face is very important. So it's not a good thing to ostracize someone in public. It's not good to shame them. You always leave them an option to retain their dignity. Now, with provincial girls, they may shower three times a day in some cases because the Philippines is very humid. And you'll go to some of these cities and some of the villages. Like we were in Amangapo at one time when I was in service. And I dated this lady. And basically, what it came down to, she would go take a shower. And it's not like here in the U.S. They would have a bucket of water and they would bathe themselves. And she just went on, put a towel over her head, wrapped herself up in a towel, put on flip-flops, and we went to the grocery store. Just like that. She was naked underneath. And let me tell you, when I saw other women there, I put it to you this way. I'm so glad I wasn't wearing tight pants because something would have happened. But for the most part, the people were very friendly. I didn't have any hang-ups whatsoever. Everything went fine. Now, um, food, cost of living is pretty reasonable. If you make at least $1,300 a month, you're making about the average wage of Filipinos there. So you're not off by that much. So if you're thinking about going and staying, as long as you have your resources coming in, you'll be okay. Now, on YouTube, they have a lot of uh, people on there talking about different things about the Philippines. A lot of Filipino women that are on there. Be careful when listening to some of them because some of them are pushing misinformation. Just be careful. As with anything else, do your due diligence. Now, um, you asked the question about minority. I don't know what race you are, Alex, but if you're African American, you're fine. The main thing is if you're not born there and you're a minority, you're treated differently. You're treated better. If you're born there as a minority, you're just one of them as they see it, just like here in the States. That's the distinction. Well, I hope that helps you out, sir. More in a minute, folks. Hi, everyone. Johnson here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Let's talk about the man and his cheating. 
So, as I told you before, when it comes down to the single female, she's the biggest threat to the guy who's married or in a relationship and who's cheating. When he's cheating with a single female, she has mobility, autonomy, and also the ability to make demands. Now, here are some of the things that guys will have to contend with. The first thing, the guy will have to see whether or not he can establish, and he should, rules and guidelines. Women who are cheating on their husbands do this regularly. However, guys, sometimes you don't because you're so in the rush to get the ass, you don't care. And then what happens, the woman starts making rules and guidelines. You don't ever want that to happen. Not that I condone cheating, but once she makes the rules, the single woman does, you're in trouble. Now, where do guys meet these single women and where do these women, married women, meet men in order to cheat with? One of the number one sources is AshleyMadison.com, along with many other dating sites. Even conventional dating sites like Match and those sites as well. Usually when someone deceives you, they're looking at only a temporary relationship. Very, very short term. They're lying to you. They're deceiving you. If they are more honest with you, of course, they're looking for something long term, something that's going to last. Now, the problem with most men, they're going to lie to this woman to get in her drawers as quickly as possible. So he's looking at it from a short-term perspective. A lot of women will try to extend that short-term thing by claiming they're pregnant later on when they're not. By saying that the guy gave them some kind of disease when they didn't. They will do this in order to incite guilt so that they can have an interaction with that person and try to win them over once again to see it that way. Now, it's not to say that women don't get pregnant and get abandoned by guys because they do all the time. But now, let's go on also and look at it from this perspective as well. The man is going to stay sleeping with the woman that he's chasing after as long as she allows him to do so and he's going to be a fool for it every step of the way he's going to make up a lie to the wife he's going to do whatever it took in order to keep that going he's going to purge to this woman tell her everything that's wrong with the wife from the suture marks on her abdomen all the way up to how her titties are sagging physical and emotional, everything, so that, and he's doing this as an insurance policy, so that anytime they happen to meet up, she will have the ammunition in order to defend him. So if the wife decides, or girlfriend decides, she doesn't want him anymore, he's got another leg to stand on. It's not that he wants to be, he's afraid of being without a woman. 
He's afraid of being without pussy. Let's just be straight. Most men, however, will not leave their wives. There was a poll done, I think 63% of men uh, polled who were married said if they had an extramarital affair, they would not leave their wives. So what does that mean for many of you single women out there with um, trying to get these guys? It means that your pussy is not that good. It's not going to be. It's not going to do the job by itself. So, what we have to deal with is that a single woman is going to try to entice him. She may try to find out more information about the wife. She may ask him that she look like his wife. She may even ask to have a picture of the wife sent to her or have him show a picture of his wife in the phone or on Facebook. And she may start fashioning herself like her. Maybe the way she dressed, maybe her hair. And in this way, it makes her that more appealing. Now, I mentioned about how men, 65% of them usually cheat with a woman that looks like their spouse as far as for a long-term relationship. This is what these women do in order to bring that guy down that avenue. She listens intently on the things that he doesn't like about his ex-wife and she does the total opposite. And she understands that by doing this, it puts her in a special category. So she's not even worried about another single woman coming in because she knows now the only thing she has to do is lay it on thick. And basically what he has is an imitation of his wife with the corrections that he wanted in this woman, even though she's not his wife, of course. And so he has that illusion. And that's what helped him cope, cope with that situation. And so, he may find himself staying in that relationship for a full 10 years. Who knows? Where he's lying and trying to wheel and deal around the wife. But eventually, she's going to catch him. Usually, women catch men very quickly because what happens if we fall for a woman we're going to trip over ourselves. We're not going to care. We get caught, we don't care. Now, I'll admit, I tried cheating one time in my life. And I don't know if it would be classified as cheating. I dated a lady, and she asked me, if something were to happen to me, which one of my friends would you choose? I thought long and hard about that. And she was, you know, crossed her arms and looked at me. And I said, your friend Naomi. Her mouth dropped. 
She said, no, you didn't. I was like, well, what's wrong with that? You asked me a question, I gave you an answer. She got pissed at me on that. And she said, well, what do you see in her? What does she have I don't have? I listed off at least 35 things. And I mean, it came right off the top of my head without hesitation or nothing. And I realized, damn, I don't messed up. And her eyes watered up and she started crying. And I can't believe it. And she, ever since then, she would always say, whenever she saw Naomi, that's your girlfriend over there, you better go talk to her. And eventually, we went our separate ways. But it was a valuable lesson for me to learn. I didn't know that was a trick question. But I learned very quickly it was. But Naomi was fine. I don't care what anyone... I wanted to snap a gristling. But that's beside the point. (laughs) It was back in my youthful, lustful days. Now, another thing too... Married men will always protect the home. Usually, this goes for married women too. They always boomerang back. The single woman may try to push the married man to a point where she wants to encroach on his marriage. Because this is stroking her self-esteem. Because you got to remember, single women who mess around with married men, they have low self-esteem as well. Yes, they do. And they don't want to admit it. They'll deny that shit, but they do. It's just like eating off somebody else's plate. They have it. So, what happens? She may make a demand like, uh, so you say your wife is going away this weekend? I think what I want to do is to lay in your bed and we just have sex all night long. what she starts to do is put challenges in front of him that makes it uncomfortable for him to conceal her. Then she starts doing things like, so who are you taking to the company um, Christmas party? Oh, I'm taking my wife. Hmm. Well, has anyone at the company met your wife? Oh, no, this will be the first time taking her. Well, I think it would be appropriate if you take me. That's the way they start to go and position themselves. Because, see, the guy feels as though he can be honest with her. But also, in turn, his honesty... It's the ammunition she needs in order to get control of this relationship. She'll get to the point where she'll say, you know what, why don't you bring your checkbook over and uh, I'll balance your books for you. I don't need nobody to balance my book. No, no, no. Because uh, if you're going to be with me, I'm going to make sure that you know how to handle money. A lot of guys fall for that trick. And once she gets that checkbook, 
And she says, okay, now, I want you to tell me the bills, and I'm going to write the checks out for them and date them. Well, I got so-and-so and so-and-so, and and she's writing away and doing just like a secretary. He's thinking it's cool because she's handling all the legwork. Truth is, she's wedging herself in to get closer so she can control those finances. And a lot of guys who cheat, especially if they don't know what the hell they're doing, these women will run through them like crap through a goose. I remember one lady in particular. There was a guy I knew, wasn't a friend of mine or anything, but she bought got one of these debit cards. Bought it at, I think, Walgreens or somewhere. I think it was one of those green dot cards or one, one of those. And after she got the card, she says, okay, what I expect you to do is every month I'm going to need money on this card. So it's your job to make sure I'm happy. And this poor guy was risking his marriage, risking everything, putting money on that card every month so that this woman had whatever she needed. She did that. She took the initiative and put him in that position where he couldn't really think it through. He could have, but he didn't. But you have forward and aggressive women who are like that. And a married man with one of these women is a mismatch. There's no way in hell he's going to win. Now, most men, they don't get serious about the woman. They just want to sleep with her. They go to sleep with her. They leave her. They go back to their wives. Good men don't need to cheat at all. Just like good women don't need to cheat. But you got to remember, the trigger that sets you into the mindset of cheating makes you the bad guy because you didn't stop the momentum that led to the behavior. That's where the problem comes in. We're going to talk more in a moment. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, and let's go in the mailbag with Mark. Don't judge me, don't get upset with me, I'm just telling you the truth. I live outside of Boise, Idaho. We're faced with a problem in my family. There have been a lot of people that have moved up here from California. Prices are going up, and some people are not liking that property taxes are going to be raised for sure. The problem I'm dealing with, with many other family members, is that my youngest brother started dating this black woman from Los Angeles. He's 24, she's 25. And the problem is, it's an unkept secret that most of the men in the family have slept with her. 
She's very easy going and very easy to say the least. I'll admit that I was one of the people that suffered there as well. We confronted her about this and she didn't have a problem with it. She says, what's the big deal? My older brother slept with her. My dad slept with her. And fortunately, right now, none of the women in the family know. My brother's wife doesn't know. My mom doesn't know. And my younger brother doesn't seem to care. Ever since he went to Los Angeles and came back years ago, he's been a different person, very permissive on things. We're a little bit more conservative. The sad thing about it, my brother is thinking about having a night with her. And when I say a night, we're talking all of us. Dad is definitely down for it. And I do have some moral question myself because I think I've gone too far with her. I think we all have. I'm married, I have two kids. And I've been with my wife all my life, just like my dad's been with my mom and my other brother been with his wife. And we were coming up with a plan of kicking her out the family, but we love our little brother. And we know that if we did that, things could go really bad because once mom finds out, all hell will break loose. We're worried about getting her pregnant, but this woman, constantly makes herself available. And I'll tell you, she's very attractive. And I've never been with a black woman before her. But I really feel like this is wrong on several levels. One, because she's my little brother's girlfriend. The other, she's an African-American woman and it doesn't look good that all of us white men are having sex with this woman. I don't have a racist bone in my body, neither does anyone in my family. And I don't want to call her a whore. Because a lot of times, people are stigmatized based on their race. But I know it's wrong. And I will tell you this, as a person who's slept with her, she is excellent in bed. I'm going to have a meeting with my dad and my brother, and we're going to talk this out to, to at least reach a consensus where we're not going to sleep with her anymore. It's going to be difficult, especially convincing my dad, because my dad is literally in love with her. My mom thinks that she came into the family a little bit too quickly and got a little bit too much access to the rest of the family members. He's only been dating her for two months, and she slept with all four of us. How do you think I should handle this? Because I don't want to come across as racist, but I know I have a moral consciousness, and I went against my better judgment. I've been thinking about telling my wife about it, but I know if I tell her about it, about it she's going to leave me, without a doubt. Same thing with my mom and dad. My brother and his wife 
they may get over it because he's cheated on her in the past with a Latina. My younger brother, I don't know. He just seems to be okay with it. Any thoughts? Oh, man. Sir, I really appreciate your honesty and your candor and your sensitivity as well. You know this is wrong. And just because she's black, she still made a judgment and error. This is the way she would have been back in Los Angeles or anywhere else. But it could be a plethora of reasons why she's doing this. Your brother probably knew that this would be a temptation. I personally don't think that he's into her like that. I think that your brother is the one, the younger brother that's her boyfriend, that's exploiting her and using her. And he's going to more than likely dump her to the wayside. Especially if she gets pregnant. I wonder if you guys thought about that. If she wants her pregnant, then what? By any of you. I think what she's trying to do, and I'm going to say this, she's trying to escape her blackness. Some people do that. They get so frustrated. I get emails a lot from men and women who hate the fact that they're a minority. Latin women, black women, Asian women. Because what they face is being associated with people that are not doing as well as they're doing. And I don't say that financially as much as I say that intellectually, socially, and so forth. And so, this is her way of distancing herself. And she would take pride in truthfully saying that I don't date black men or I don't associate with black people. This is her therapy for that. Now, I'm willing to bet you she grew up in a situation where she was burnt out on the African-American experience, whatever that was, that she experienced in her community. And so this right here, she's looking at it from the standpoint of getting respect, notoriety, love on some level, recognition something that she may have not had in the past or under circumstances in her former community so in essence you have women who do this you have even white women who do this as well because I've had some white women that have ridden in and they hated the fact that they were white Primarily, they want to distance themselves from the racist white folks. So this is understandable. Um, I think she needs to go to therapy. I think that's what you guys should try to work on as some kind of recommendation. Because there's a mental component to this. 
she's acting out based on a problem that she has internally. And instead of trying to sleep with this woman, you, your dad, and your other brother, and your little brother, need to sit down and try to come up with a plan to help her. Now, have you reached out to her family for assistance? I know that's beyond the scope of really your concern, but you gotta look at it this way. If your wife finds out as you said, your wife's gonna leave you from the fact that you were with another woman that wasn't her. And here's another thing, being that she's a black woman, your wife's probably going to interpret it from the standpoint that, oh, so you like black women now, you don't like white women anymore, you don't like me anymore. Especially being that she'll probably be younger than your wife, I don't know how old she is, and she may be a little bit more physically shapely than your wife. So you have to contend with that component. Your mom is definitely going to have a problem. She's younger, she's black, she's in the family, and the mom does not feel as though she has gone up to proper channels to have the access to the family as she does. Now, another thing. Your brother's wife, you talked about how it was a permissive situation and that she forgave him for a Latina. Well, here's the thing, and let's face it. In, certain, in our society, there's a pecking order. African Americans are put at the lowest portion of the social spectrum. Basically because statistics support that. Education, crime, you name it. It's not that these people in general are inferior. It's that they have inferior behavior and patterns of behavior that they could improve on. And many in that segment choose not to do so. They have the resources and the ability, but many of them don't take the opportunity. So that still kind of ferments that old negative stereotype. So, what you have here, your brother's wife may say, a Latina, okay, she's okay, she wasn't black. But for a black woman, it may be the last straw for her, something she couldn't forgive him for. Guilt by association. Now, what you guys are doing is nothing new because it's been in the reverse as well, where black men have gone into white families, and some guys have kind of climbed that ladder of trying to screw all the females. It's a behavioral disorder that they have, and it could very well be based on a mental illness. I'm willing to bet you it probably has to do with an inferiority complex, low self-esteem, and not only that, a situation where they're trying to prove themselves. I would recommend reaching out to her family and trying to get her help 
And I guarantee you, if you talk to her family, they're probably going to tell you she might have had a traumatic experience in the past, but there's a trigger somewhere that put her in that behavior. And I'm not making an excuse for her, but I'm saying there's something in the past that has come up. Now, what's happened is your moral consciousness has kicked in with you. That same level of moral consciousness your father and your other brother has. And the thing you guys have to do is you guys are going to have to get together and allow your moral consciousness to outweigh your lust where you can get her some help. And I know it's not your responsibility. And your younger brother, you're going to need to step him aside and do the same with him. Now, I have seen situations like these where they were able to work out. There was a couple that got married and after the guy married the woman, she slept with pretty much all the men in the family and the wives didn't know it. And eventually what happened, the grandfather who did not sleep with the young lady told them Let's get her into some kind of help. Because all of the men in the family had too much to lose. Because the women would have left them just like in your situation. And so what they did. They got them into marriage counseling. And they all pitched in and moved that couple away from the family. And they were able to rectify their relationship. They were able to get things back on track because they had the access. You may have to do this with your younger brother and this lady. Put them in their own place and get them away from the family. And that way, it'll be up to them. Now, if she starts up again with other people, at least it won't be within your family. But she needs help. And that's what I would recommend. That's the best thing you could do. Best of luck to you. Take care. All right. More in a moment. Johnson with the Here Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. What I decided to do was take the next segment and I'm going to put it on the podcast on tomorrow. And in that way, we'll keep everything in order and try to get things going. But we're still going to continue on the cheating series. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about sex and extramarital affairs. Stay tuned. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support.
If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.